What will we find in today's Thursday thrillers here on the Mutual Audio Network? A few baffling mysteries? Perhaps a touch of murder? Let's find out. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The Mutual Stage. Showcasing adaptations of films, screenplays, and stage plays, it's The Mutual Stage. And here's your host, Mr. Jack Ward. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new experiment in the theater of the mind. Our first performance is lovingly provided by one of the modern audio theater's most active writers, directors, and producers, Pete Lutz from the Narada Radio Company. The Mutual Stage comes from a long history. Lux Radio Theater, Screen Directors Playhouse, Mercury Theater on the Air, and so many, many more. So we are very pleased to welcome you to this exciting new performance space from your very comfortable chair. And Mr. Lutz has a phenomenal opener for us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, we are pleased to present an audio adaptation of Charade, the hit 1963 film which originally starred Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant and was directed by Stanley Donan. And now the curtain rises on Charade. The action begins in France, along a railroad track in the outskirts of Paris. Uh, what have we got? Monsieur l'inspecteur, this unfortunate was Charles Lampère, un American, and he appears to have been thrown from a fast-moving train. Did the fall kill him? No, monsieur. He has a bullet wound in his chest. Ah. Any papers on him? Oui, monsieur. This Lufthansa travel bag was found beside him. Uh, poor man. To be murdered in his pajamas. When I first saw Regina Lampert, she was taking in the sun in the French resort town of Breve, engaged in her favourite pastime, eating. She was engrossed in her lunch and didn't notice the hand holding a pistol taking aim at her face. I saw the finger tighten on the trigger and... Oh! Oh, <coughs> oh Jean-Louis! Oh, Don't tell me. You didn't know it was loaded. Sylvie! What is it, Regie? Oh, isn't there something constructive he can do? Like, start an avalanche? Va jouer, mon ange. <laughs> Regie, qu'est-ce que c'est? Cold chicken, potato salad, rose, butter, wine and coffee... Mon ami, when you start to eat like this, something is the matter. Mm. Mm. I'm getting a divorce. The douleur from Charles? He's the only husband I've got. I tried to make it work, I really have, but... 
But what? Oh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just too miserable. It is infuriating that your unhappiness does not turn the fat. But why do you want a divorce? Because I don't love him. But that is no reason to get a divorce. With a rich husband and this year's clothes, you will not find it difficult to make no friends. I admit I moved to Paris because I was tired of American provincial, but that doesn't mean I'm ready for French traditional. I loathe the idea of divorce, Sylvie, but... If only Charles had been honest with me, that, that's all I ask of anybody, the simple truth. But with him, everything is secrecy and lies. He's hiding something. Something frightening. Something terrible and... and... and evil. And... Oh! Does this belong to you? Oh, forgive me. I didn't mean to startle you. Is this yours? It's hers. Where did you find him? Robbing a bank? He was throwing snowballs at Baron Rothschild. We don't know each other, do we? Why? Do you think we're going to? I don't know. How would I know? I'm afraid I already know a great many people. Until one of them dies, I couldn't possibly meet anyone else. Well, yes, of course. But you will let me know if anyone goes on the critical list. Quitter. How's that? Well, you give up awfully easily, don't you? <sighs> Bien, Jean-Louis. Let us make a walk. I have never seen a Rochelle before. Hmm. Clever fellow. He almost missed me. I'm afraid you're blocking my view. Sorry, which view would you like? The one you're blocking. Well, this is the last chance I have to see it. I'm flying back to Paris this afternoon. What's your name? Peter Joshua. I'm Regina Lampert. Is there a Mr. Lampert? Yes. Good for you. No, it isn't. I'm getting a divorce. Please, not on my account. Oh, no. You see... I don't really love him. Well, you're honest anyway. Oh, yes, I am. I'm compulsive about it. Dishonesty infuriates me. Is there a Mrs. Joshua? Yes, but we're divorced. That wasn't a proposal. I was just curious. Is your husband with you? Oh, Charles is hardly ever with me. First it was separate rooms. Now we're trying it with cities. What do people call you? Pete? Mr. Joshua. Well, I've enjoyed talking with you. Now you're angry. No, I'm not. I've got some packing to do. I'm also going back to Paris today. Oh. Well, wasn't it Shakespeare who said, when strangers do meet, they should ere long see one another again? Shakespeare never said that. How do you know? It's terrible. You just made it up. Well, the idea's right anyway. Are you going to call me? Are you in the book? Charles is. Is there only one Charles Lampert? Oh, Lord. I hope so. Goodbye, Sylvie, and thanks. Au revoir, Rosie. Jean-Louis, what are you doing? Reggie, when you get your divorce, will you be going back to America? Oh. Hmm? He knows everything. 
Well, don't you want me to stay? Yes, of course. But if you went back and wrote me a letter... You could have the stamps. That's right, you collect them. I'll get you some here, okay? Okay, au revoir. Regina Lampert let herself into her flat and found it bare. There was no furniture, no rug, no pictures, nothing. Honorine? There was no answer from the housekeeper because she was not there either. Reggie rushed from room to room. The bedroom too was empty. Opening the closet doors she found only a few hangers. All of the drawers were empty as well. Charles! She ran out of the bedroom and into the library, only to find more of the same. Empty shelves where once there had been hundreds of books. Panicked, she turned around and around, looking for something. Anything. She ran out of the library and collided with a man. <laughs> Madame Lampère? Oh, oh, yes. I am Inspector Edouard Grandpier of the police judiciaire. Would you be so kind as to come with me, please? Well, madame? Oh. Mm -hmm. You are positive this is your husband's body? Mm -hmm. mm, you loved him? I'm very cold. We discovered your husband's body lying next to the tracks of the Paris-Bordeaux railroad line. He was dressed only in his pajamas. Do you know of any reason why he might have wished to leave France? Leave? Your husband possessed a ticket of passage on the Maranguape. It sailed from Bordeaux for Maracaibo this morning at seven. I'm very confused. Cigarette? No, thank you. I have these. He was American? Swiss. Oh, Swiss. His profession? He didn't have one. He was a wealthy man? I don't know. I suppose so. Uh, about how wealthy would you say? I don't know. Where did he keep his money? I don't know. Beside yourself, who is his nearest relation? I don't know. It's absurd, madame. To tell him I'm absurd. I know. I'm sorry. It is all right. Is it all right if I smoke? I wish you wouldn't. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Les affaires de l'empire. Mêlez ici, s'il te plaît. Madame Lampère, on Wednesday last, your husband sold the entire contents of the apartment at public auction. Furniture, clothing, kitchenware, everything. The gallery, in complying with his wishes, paid him in cash. 1,250,000 new francs. In dollars, a quarter of a million. The authorities in Bordeaux have searched his compartment on the train. They have searched it thoroughly. They did not find $250,000, madame. These few things are all that was found beside his body. There was no other baggage on the train. Your husband must have been in a great hurry. One wallet, 
containing 4,000 francs. One agenda. His last notation was made yesterday, Thursday. 5 p.m., Jardin de Champs-Élysées. Why there? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps he met somebody. Obviously. One ticket of passage to South America. One letter, stamped but not sealed, addressed to you. A letter? May I see it? My dear Regina, I hope you were enjoying your holiday. Magave can be so lovely this time of year. The days pass very slowly, and I hope to see you soon. As always, Charles. P.S. Your dentist called yesterday. Your appointment has been changed. Not very much, is it? We took the liberty of calling your dentist. We thought perhaps we would learn something. Did you? Yes. Your appointment has been changed. One key to your apartment. One comb. One fountain pen. One toothbrush. One tin of tooth powder. That is all. If you will sign this list, you may take the things with you. Is that all? Can I go now? Uh, one more question. Is this your husband's passport? Well, of course it is. And this? Oh, I don't understand. This one is American. The, the photo is the same as in the Swiss one, but the name says Charles Voss. And this one from Italy, in the name of Carlo Fabri? And this from Venezuela? Made out to Carlos Moreno. Have you nothing to say, madame? It's all right if you want to smoke your cigar now. Reggie was driven back to her empty flat, carrying her deceased husband's meagre effects in a Lufthansa bag. The late afternoon sun was providing the only light in the place, as I quietly entered the apartment. Peter, what are you doing here? I phoned, but nobody answered. I wanted to tell you how sorry I am and to find out if there was anything I could do. Well, how did you find out? It's in all the afternoon papers. I'm very sorry. Thank you. I rang the bell, but I don't think it's working. Well, yes, it is. I, I heard it this morning. We need some more light. Hold on. They must have turned off the electricity. Your place is empty. Where did everything go? Charles sold it all, at auction. Do you know what you're going to do? Try and get my old job back at UNESCO, I suppose. Doing what? Well, I'm a simultaneous translator. Like my friend Sylvie. You met her. Only she's English to French. I'm French to English. That's what I did before I married Charles. The police probably think that I killed him. Instant divorce, you mean? Something like that. Oh, but I'm sorry it ended like this. Tossed off the train like a sack of third-class mail. Come on. You can't stay here. I don't know where to go. We'll find you a hotel. Not too expensive. I'm not a lady of leisure anymore. Something modest but clean and near enough to UNESCO so you can take a cab when it rains, okay? Mm-hmm. Let me get my bag. It's all I have left of Charles. I love this room. But Charles never saw it. Only what was in it. All those exquisite things. (sighs) 
I think I prefer it like this. A couple of days later, the widow Lampant and her friend Sylvie arrived at a small chapel for her late husband's funeral. Aside from police inspector Grandpierre, who sat in the back row, and the corpse in the coffin, they were the only people in attendance. That was soon to change. It's not exactly what I'd call a large turnout. Didn't Charles have any friends? Don't ask me, I'm only the widow. If Charles had died in his bed, we wouldn't even have the inspector. At least he knows how to behave at a funeral. <sighs> have you no idea who could have done it? Until two days ago, all I really knew about Charles was his name. Now it turns out I didn't even know that. I couldn't tell you. A short, heavy-set man in thick eyeglasses entered the chapel and glanced around nervously, his bald head swiveling like a barnyard bird. He walked up to the coffin and stopped, looking down at the body. <coughs> the little man took a small mirror from his overcoat pocket and held it under the dead man's nose for a few moments. Then, apparently satisfied, he walked down the centre aisle and looked for a place to sit. Spotting Grandpierre, he changed his mind and turned to sit somewhere else. Do you know him? Well, I've never seen him before. He must have known Charles pretty well. How can you tell? He's allergic to him. A second man sauntered down the aisle to the coffin. This time a slim, rangy man with sandy-coloured hair, a weather-beaten face and washed-out blue eyes. He wore a bright yellow flower in the lapel of his velvet corduroy suit and sported a string tie at his throat. He looked around at the others, then took a flower from his buttonhole and waved it under the dead man's nose. He smiled broadly and dropped the flower into the coffin. Arriva dirty, Charlie. Ms. Lampert, ma'am? Is that her? Not me. Ms. Lampert, ma'am? Yes? Charlie had no call to handling it this way. He sure didn't. No siree. Well, I don't understand. Ma'am? What on earth? <laughs> A third man now entered the tallest and broadest of the trio, with thick eyebrows over a face that looked as if it had never smiled. Without turning his head to either side, he stopped down the aisle to the coffin, both hands thrust deep into his raincoat pockets. He stared down at Charles Lampert's body for many moments, then pulled one hand out of a pocket, removed a straight pin from his lapel, and jabbed deeply into the dead man's hand. <clears throat> there was no reaction. Did you see what that man did? Or what they all did? 
pardonnez-moi, madame. Une lettre pour vous. Merci, monsieur. Pas de tout, madame. Pardon. 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 Où est-ce from? The American Embassy. Dear Mrs. Lambert, please drop by my office tomorrow at noon 30. I'm anxious to discuss the matter of your late husband's death. Sincerely, H. Bartholomew. What is it about? I don't know. But if this is a sample of American diplomacy, I'm buying a fallout shelter. Hello? Hello? Is there anything wrong, Miss Tompkins? Uh, Miss Tompkins isn't here. I'm sorry. My secretary must have gone to lunch. You are? Mrs. Lampert. Mrs. Charles Lampert. Come in, Mrs. Lampert. You're quite late. Sit down. Oh, excuse me for a moment, Mrs. Lampert. I'm just trying to get a spot out of my necktie. It's a stubborn little devil. Dry cleaning-wise, things are all fouled up. I had a good man, an excellent man, on the Rue Pontu, but HQ asked us to use the plant here in the building to ease the gold outflow. Mr. Bartholomew, are you sure you know who I am? Charles Lampert's widow, yes? Oh, last time I sent out a tie, only the spot came back. <laughs> hmm. Voila, as they say. Have a sandwich, please. I've got liverwurst, liverwurst, chicken, and liverwurst. No, thanks. Do you know what CIA is, Mrs. Lampert? I don't suppose it's an airline, is it? Central Intelligence Agency. CIA. Oh, you mean spies and things like that? Only we call them agents. We? You mean you're... Someone has to do it, Mrs. Lampert. I'm sorry. It's just that I didn't think that you people were supposed to admit... I'm not an agent, Mrs. Lampert. I'm an administrator. A desk jockey. Trying to run a bureau of overworked men with under-allocated funds. Congress seems to think that all a spy needs... Agent. Yes. That all he needs is a code book and a cyanide pill and he's in business. What's all this got to do with me, Mr. Bartholomew? Your husband was wanted by the U.S. government. May I have a sandwich, please? Some wine? To be more specific, he was wanted by this agency. So that was it? Yes, we knew him, of course, by his real name. Uh, is real? Voss. Charles Voss. All right, Mrs. Voss, I'd like you to look at this photograph, please, Mrs. Voss. And... Don't call me that. Lampert's the name on the marriage license. Yes. And tell me if you recognize anyone. Take your time. Have a good look. Oh, it's, it's Charles. He's in uniform. Well, they all are. Very good. He looks so young. When was this taken? 1944. The next face, please. Oh, it's the man who came to the funeral yesterday. I'm sure of it. Tall man in a corduroy suit and string tie. Does the name Tex Penthalo mean anything to you? No. Next, please. Oh, yes. And he was there, too. A, a little fatter now and less hair, but it's the same one. Do you know him, Mrs. Voss? Mrs. Lampert, 
Leopold W. Gideon? No. The last one, please. That's a face you don't forget. He was there, too. Herman Scobie. And you've never seen him before, either. No, thank heaven. Mrs. Lampert, I'm afraid you're in a great deal of danger. Danger? Why should I be in any danger? You're Charles Voss's wife. Now that he's dead, you're their only lead. Mr. Bartholomew, if you're trying to frighten me, you're doing a really first-rate job. Please do what we ask, Mrs. Lampert. It's your only chance. Oh, gladly, I... Only I don't know what you want. You haven't told me. No, haven't I? The money, Mrs. Lampert. The money. The $250,000 Charles Voss received from the auction. Those three men want it, too. They want it very badly. But it's Charles's money, not theirs. Oh, Mrs. Lampert, I'd love to see you try and convince them of that. <laughs> oh, dear. Then whose is it? His or theirs? Ours. Oh, I see. And I'm afraid we want it back. But I don't have it. That's impossible. You're the only one who could have it. Oh, I'm sorry it's impossible. It's the truth. I believe you. Thanks very much. Well, you've got the money, all right. You just don't know you've got it. Mr. Bartholomew, if I had a quarter of a million dollars, believe me, I'd know it. Nevertheless, Mrs. Lampert, you've got it. <laughs> you mean it's just lying around someplace, all that cash? Or a safe deposit key, a certified check, a baggage claim? You look for it, Mrs. Lampert. I'm quite sure you'll find it. But... Look for it, Mrs. Lampert. Look just as hard and as fast as you can. You may not have a great deal of time. Those men know you have it just as surely as we do. You won't be safe until the money's in our hands. Is that clear? Here's where you are to call me, day or night. It's a direct line to both my office and my apartment. Don't lose it, Mrs. Lampert. And please don't tell anyone about coming to see me. It could prove fatal for them as well as yourself. Wait a minute. You think those three men killed Charles, don't you? We've no proof, of course, but we rather think so, yes. Well, there you are. Well, Charles had the money with him, so whoever killed him has it. Well, they have it. No? Why not? Because they're still here. Oh. Like I said, Mrs. Lampert, I'm afraid you're in a great deal of danger. Remember what happened to Charles. Reggie phoned me the next morning and asked me to meet her that afternoon at the Esplanade des Champs-Élysées. I didn't find her there, though. I found her in a little park, watching a Punch and Judy show. Watching it, but apparently not enjoying it. All of the children were laughing and cheering, but her face was void of emotion. I was sitting beside her on a little bench for a full minute before she noticed. Reggie? Hello, Peter. You know I've been standing on that corner back there, waiting for you. I'm sorry. I heard the children laughing. What's going on? Well, don't you understand French? I'm still having trouble with English. The man puppet and the woman puppet are married. Yes, I can see that. They're batting each other over the head with clubs. Who's that with the hat? That's the gendarme. He wants to arrest Judy for killing Punch. What's she saying now? That she's innocent. She didn't do it. Well, she did it all right. Take it from me. I believe her. Who was that? Punch, of course. Of course? 
I thought he was dead. No, he's only pretending to teach her a lesson. Only... Only he is dead, Peter. I saw him. He's not pretending. Someone threw him off a train. What am I going to do? Charles was mixed up in something terrible. I wish you'd let me help you. Whatever it is, it doesn't sound like the sort of thing that a woman can handle all by herself. Hmm. Have you got a mirror? Yes? Give it to me. Look, right there, between your eyes, see? Worry lines. You're much too young and too pretty to have anything like that. How about making me vice president in charge of cheering you up? Starting tonight? My first act as vice president in charge of etc. was to take the lady to a nightclub. Surely such a place full of music and happy people would serve as a welcome distraction to her current troubles. But oh, how wrong I was. The evening started out fine, with the MC announcing that the patrons were to be the main attraction. Then he described a game in which we'd all pass an orange from person to person by gripping it between our chin and chest. No hands allowed. Naturally, it passed from man to woman to man and so on. After what seemed like an eternity for me, trying to retrieve the piece of fruit from under the chins of uh, a particularly stout woman, Reggie and I were then able to effect the trade-off rather skillfully. Then she turned to the next person, who I didn't see. I told her I was going to get some fresh drinks for us and headed for the bar. Mrs. Lampert. What do you want? Didn't Charles tell you, Mrs. Lampert? Tell me what? It doesn't belong to you, Mrs. Lampert. You do know that, don't you? I don't know anything. Mrs. Lampert, any morning now, you could wake up dead. Leave me alone. Dead, Mrs. Lampert. Like last week's news. Like Charles, Mrs. Lampert. Stop it! Reggie, what's the trouble? He was stepping on my foot. Forgive me. It was quite unintentional, I'm sure. Wait for me, Peter. I won't be long. Mr. Bartholomew? It's me, Reggie Lampert. Listen, Mr. Bartholomew, I've seen one of the... Mr. Bartholomew? Can you hear me? Hello? Mr. Bartholomew, it's me, Regina Lampert. Howdy, Miss Lampert. Oh, what do you want? You know what I want, Miss Lampert? No, no, I don't. Come on now, sure you do. And you'd better give it to me, Miss Lampert, because I ain't fooling. No siree, Bob. I, I don't know what... Ow! Don't... Oh, my coat! What are you doing? That was a lit match. Stop that! Don't make too much noise, Miss Lampert. Oh. It could get a whole lot worse. It belongs to me, Miss Lampert. 
And if you don't give it to me, your life ain't going to be worth the paper it's printed on. You savvy what I'm saying, Ms. Lampert? Please, please stop. Please. You think on a real careful like, Ms. Lampert. You hear? Oh, you're insane. You're absolutely insane. Where Where did he go? What are you doing in here? Having a nervous breakdown. You haven't said a word since we left the club. What happened back there? I... I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell you or not. I don't think I follow you. He said if I told anybody it could prove fatal for them as well as me. Who said? That's what I'm not supposed to say. Stop this nonsense. If you're in some sort of trouble, I want to know about it. Stop bullying me. Everybody's bullying me. I wasn't. Yes, you were. You called it nonsense. Being murdered in cold blood isn't nonsense. Wait until it happens to you sometime. Would you mind seeing me to the door? Of course not. You said this afternoon that your husband was mixed up in something. What was it? What was what? What your husband was mixed up in. Look, I know it's asking you to stretch your imagination, but can't you pretend for a moment that I'm a woman and that you're... Don't you know I could already be arrested for transporting a minor above the first floor? We're here. Where? On the street where you live. How about once more around the park? Out. Him. Do you mind if I come in for a nightcap, Reggie? Her, well, it is awfully late. Him. Just one, all right. Her, promise you'll behave yourself. Him. Sorry, baby, I never make promises I can't keep. How would you like a spanking? How would you like a punch in the nose? Stop treating me like a child. Then stop acting like one. If you're really in some kind of trouble, I'd like to hear about it. Otherwise, it's late. I'm tired and I'm going home to bed. Do you know what's wrong with you? What? Nothing. Good night. Good night. Oh, no. What's happened now? Where is it, lady? Where have you got it? I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't... I want it. Give it to me. It's mine. Peter! Peter! Reggie, what is it? Oh, oh, oh. A man, a man, he tried to kill me with a metal hand. Stand back. Keep away. He's still stuck in the door, but there's no telling what he's capable of. Okay. I thought if I could try and trap him behind the door while his artificial hand was still stuck in it, I could bring him under control. At least chase him away. Once I unlocked it... I put my weight behind the door and slammed it as far as it could go. Maybe that'll take the wind out of him. Once I was in, I let go of the door and slugged the man as hard as I could on the jaw. His head hit the wall behind him and he managed to get one foot up against my chest and push me back across the room. I sprawled across the bed and ended up on the floor on the other side. As I struggled to regain my feet, the man made one final violent tug and got his metal hand free from the door, then rushed to the open window and climbed out. I breathed a sigh of relief and slumped back down to the floor.
Over here. Oh, Peter, are you all right? <sighs> I think I sprained my pride. Where'd he go? Out the window, I guess. I didn't see him. Lock the door, then lock the window behind me. And don't let anyone in except me. I'll be back in a minute. Well, be careful, Peter. He took the words right out of my mouth. That was a dumb move, Harmon. A dumb move. Ah. And then some. If you'd only told us you was going to her room, we could have kept him busy. But sneaking in there on your own that way, well, man, you was bound to get your tookus kicked. I mean, what did you think he'd do? Walk up and shake you by that hand of yours? Ah. That's right, Herman. You didn't leave me much choice. Ah. I didn't hurt you, did I? Ah. Never mind that. Did you get the money? How could I with the three Marx brothers breathing down my neck? You said you'd let me handle it alone. The girl trusts me. If she's got it, I'll find out about it. But you've got to leave me alone. We took all the chances. The money belongs to us, not him. Don't be unneighborly like Herman. Don't forget he done us a little old favor. Yeah? What's that? He took care of Charlie for us. We appreciate it. Really, we do. But who asked him? Three shares are enough. I say he's out. A third of nothing is nothing, Herman. Make up your minds. She's waiting for me. I don't see how another 24 hours could hurt. Shoot, no, not after all these years. Then he gets it out of your share, not mine, not mine. <laughs> I suggest you get about your business. Nothing soothes Herman like success. <laughs> That's right. It's like tickling an alligator's belly. Who's got the room next to hers? Me. How come? Get another one, will you? I'm going to need it. If you do find the money, you won't forget to tell us about it, will you, fella? Don't worry. Oh, I ain't worrying. But see this pudgy little fella here? He worries, and he's even meaner than I am. Who is it? It's me, Peter. There was no trace of him. All right, Reggie. Suppose you tell me what this is all about. Well, there are three men. He's one of them. Well, they think I have something that belongs to them. What? A quarter of a million dollars. Go on. Well, that's all. No, it isn't. Where's the money? I don't know. Those men killed Charles to get it, but he must not have had it with him on the train. So they think he left it with you? Oh, but he didn't. I've looked everywhere. And if I don't find it, those men are going to kill me. <laughs> no, they won't. I won't let them. Please. Please help me, Peter. You're the only one I can trust. Of course I'll help. I told you I would, didn't I? Come on. Now. Here. Dry your eyes. I'm so hungry I could faint. Oh, I've, I've gotten your suit all wet. That's all right. It's a drip dry. <clears throat> Peter, you've got to promise me something. Promise you'll never lie the way Charles did. Why do people have to tell lies? Usually it's because they want something. And they're afraid the truth won't get it for them. Do you tell lies? Hello? This is Lampert. It's me. The 
man who was in your room a few minutes ago. What do you want? Who is it? The man you had the fight with. Is Dial with you? Who? The man who hit me, lady. Dial. That's his name. What's wrong? Is he still there? Yes. That's right. What is it, Reggie? What's he saying? Don't trust him. Don't tell him anything. He's after the money. What did he say? He... He said if I didn't give him the money, he'll kill me. They wouldn't take that too seriously. I believe what he said. They're only trying to scare you, that's all. How do you know what they're doing? I don't, but as long as they think you have the money, or know where it is, or have it without knowing where it is, or don't even know you have it... What are you talking about? You mustn't let what he said bother you. It was only words. Words can hurt very much. (sighs) Go to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. Don't put yourself out. Hey, I'm on your side. Remember that. Yes. I'll remember. Good night. Good night. If you need me, just bang on the wall. I'll be next door. But I am calm, Mr. Bartholomew. What I wanted to tell you was there's someone else. Someone who wasn't in that photograph you showed me. He, he says his name is Peter Joshua. But it isn't. It's Dial. Mr. Bartholomew? Are you still there? I don't know who this Mr. Dial is, but it's just possible we were wrong about who killed your husband. You mean he might have... Mr. Bartholomew, I'm catching the next plane out of here. I'm not going to sit here and wait for someone to make chopped liver out of me. Where are you now? Can you meet me? Do you know Lei Hao? Oh, yes. Where? In 15 minutes. I'll be there. Incredible, isn't it? Zola called it Le Ventre de Paris, a womb of Paris, the belly. What did you want to see me about, Mr. Bartholomew? Were you followed? Well, yes, but I lost him. I really did it quite brilliantly. I'm beginning to think women make the best spies. Agents. He has a gun, Mr. Bartholomew. I saw it. I peeped through the keyhole of our connecting door and saw him with it. Who? Dial, or whatever his name is. What does your Mr. Dial look like, Mrs. Lampert? He's hardly my Mr. Dial. Describe him. Well, he's tall. Over six feet. Rather thin. In good physical shape, I'd say. Dark eyes. Quite handsome, really. No. No what? That's not Carson Dial. Carson? There's only one Dial connected with this affair, Mrs. Lampert. That's Carson. You mean you've known about him all along? Why didn't you tell me? I didn't see any point. Dial's dead. Dead? Mr. Bartholomew, maybe you'd better tell me what this thing's all about. All right. Let's go in here and sit down. I suppose you're old enough to have heard of World War II. Barely, yes. In 1944, five members of the OSS, the Military Espionage Unit, were ordered behind the German lines for the purpose of delivering $250,000 in gold to the French underground. The five men... Of vous désirez? They always do that. You can always count on a French waiter. Café. Um, a gratiné, choucroute garni, salé de pommes, et un baillon de rouge. Mrs. Lampert, I really hadn't planned on spending the entire night here. Well, can I at least keep the onion soup? <sighs> La soupe tout simplement. Oui. Go on, please. Five men, $250,000, the French underground. Yes, the five men. They were, of course, your husband, Charles, 
the three men who showed up at his funeral yesterday, and Carson Dial. But something went wrong, and they were unable to locate their contact. It must have been at that point that they decided to steal the money. Steal it how? By burying it, and then reporting that the Germans had captured it. All they had to do was come back after the war, dig it up, and split it five ways. A quarter of a million dollars, with no questions asked. Everything went smoothly enough until after the gold was buried. Then, before they could get out, they were ambushed by a German patrol. A machine gun separated Scobie from his right hand and caught Carson Dial full in the stomach. What happened then? Scobie was able to travel, but Carson Dial was clearly dying, so they... La soupe, c'est pour qui? Uh, Pour moi. Go on, Mr. Bartholomew. Carson was dying, so they were forced to leave him. They finally got back to the base, made their report, and waited for the war to end. Only Charles couldn't wait quite as long as the others. He beat them back to the gold, took everything for himself, and disappeared. It's taken Gideon, Tex, and Scobie all this time to catch up with him again. But if they stole all that money, why can't you arrest them? We know what happened from the bits and pieces we were able to paste together, but we still have no proof. But what has this all got to do with the CIO? CIA, Mrs. Lampert. We're an extension of the wartime OSS. It was our money, and we want it back. I'm sorry, Mr. Bartholomew, but nothing you've told me has changed my mind. I still intend leaving Paris, tonight. I wouldn't advise that, Mrs. Lampert. You'd better consider what happened to your husband when he tried to leave. Those men won't be very far away, no matter where you go. In fact, I don't even see any point in your changing hotels. Please help us, Mrs. Lampert. Your government is counting on you. Well, if I'm going to die, I might as well do it for my country. That's the spirit. Stop it. What do you want me to do? We're anxious to know who this man is, the one calling himself Dial. Maybe he really is Dial. He could still be alive. No, Mrs. Lampert. But no one actually saw him die. No, Mrs. Lampert. His death is registered with the War Department in Washington. Oh. Well, then who's this one? I don't know. But I think you'd better find out, don't you? Me? Why me? You're in an ideal position. He trusts you. Besides, you said yourself, women make the best spies. Agents. Late afternoon the next day, I left the hotel alone and walked to the American Express office to see if any mail had come for me. At least, I thought it was alone. I later learned that Reggie had followed me the whole way there. The clerk informed me that no mail in my name as Dial had come in. And on my way out, I heard the following announcement. Mr. Dial, please. You're wanted on the telephone. Mr. Dial, booth four. Mr. Dial, booth four, please. Yes? Good morning, Mr. Dial. Reggie? It's the only name I've got. How about you? Where are you? Two booths over. No more cat and mouse. You've got me. What do you want to know? Why you lied to me. I had to. For all I knew, you could have been in on the whole thing. Well, you know now. So please, tell me who you are. But you know my name. It's Dial. Carson Dial is dead. Yes, he is. He was my brother. You're... The army thinks he was killed in action by the Germans, but I think they did it. Tex, Gideon and Scobie. And your husband, because he wouldn't go along with their scheme to steal the gold. 
I think he threatened to turn them in and they killed him. I'm trying to prove it. They think I'm working with them, but I'm not, and that's the truth. I'm on your side, Reggie. Please believe that. How can I? You lied to me, the way Charles did, and, and after promising you wouldn't. Oh, oh, I want to believe you, Peter. Oh, oh, but I can't call you that anymore, can I? It will take me a while to get used to your new name, which I don't even know yet. What is it? Aren't you going to tell me? Hello? Where'd he go? Thought you could sneak out on me, huh? If you do anything funny or try to talk to anyone, I'll kill you, Dial, here and now. Okay? You'll shoot a hole in your raincoat and wreck it. Is that you? Didn't anyone ever tell you it's impolite to answer a door with no shirt on? Oh, you're back. Oh, what happened? I met a man with sharp nails. Scobie? Yes. He had a hook, but I got the upper hand, so to speak. The hook did that? Uh-huh. I left him hanging by it off the roof of the American Express. Come on, I'll fix you up. I've got something that stings like crazy. I can hardly wait. There. All patched up and good as new. Thanks. All I really wanted was an estimate. It's not so bad. You may not be able to lie on your back for a few days, but then you can lie from any position, can't you? (sighs) Does it hurt? She said hopefully. Couldn't you give me a bullet to bite? Are you really Carson Dial's brother? Would you like to see my passport? Your passport? What kind of a proof is that? Would you like to see where I was tattooed? Sure. Okay, I'll drive you around there someday. Ha ha. You could at least tell me what your first name is these days. Alexander. Is there a Mrs. Dial? Yes, but we're divorced. I thought that was Peter Joshua. I'm no easier to live with than he was. Near, I've brought a clean shirt from your room. I'm sorry I couldn't tell you the truth, but I had to find out your part in all this. Alex, how can you tell if someone is lying or not? You can't. There must be some way. There's an old riddle about Vikings and Saracens. The Vikings always tell the truth, and the Saracens always lie. So one day you meet a man. You ask him if he's a truthful Viking or a lying Saracen. He tells you he's a truthful Viking. But which one is he? Why couldn't you just look at his helmet? Because he's left it in his yurt, or whatever his tent was called. Oh. Well, then he's a truthful Viking, of course. Why not a lying Saracen? Which one are you? Viking, of course. Come here. Sit down. I hope it turns out you're a Viking, Alex. I could be very happy hanging around the yurt. Reggie, listen to me. Uh Uh-oh, here it comes. The fatherly talk. You forget, I'm already a widow. So was Juliet at 15. I'm not 15. Well, there's your trouble right there. You're too old for me. Why can't you be serious? There, you said it. Said what? Serious. When a man gets to be my age, that's the last word he ever wants to hear. I don't want to be serious, and I especially don't want you to be. Okay. I'll tell you what. We'll just sit around all day long being frivolous. How about that? Now, please, Reggie, cut it out. Okay. What are you doing? Cutting it out. Who told you to do that? You did. But I'm not through complaining yet. Oh. Now, please, Reggie. Cut it out. I think I love you, Alex. 
The phone's ringing. The phone's ringing. Oh, whoever it is won't give up. Neither will I. Sorry. I was just, <clears throat> um, nibbling on something. Miss Lambert, my buddies and me, we'd oblige it mighty highly if you could mosey on across the hall and chew the fat with us for a spell. Can you give me one good reason why I should? Yes, ma'am. A little one. About seven or eight years old. The little tyke keeps calling you his Aunt Reggie. Ain't that cute? They've got Jean-Louis. That sounds like their problem. I'll be right there. We'll be waiting in room 47, Miss Lampert. So you just wiggle on over. What day is it? Tuesday. Oh, Lord, I forgot all about it. Sylvie works late Tuesday nights. She always leaves him with me. Well, they wouldn't do anything to a little boy, would they? I don't know. It depends on whether or not they've already eaten. Are you a real cowboy? Sure am. Then where is your gun? Right here. See? Will you put that thing away? Oh, Jean-Louis. Howdy, Miss Lampert. Reggie, this man is a real cowboy. He has a gun. Who invited you, Dial? Hello, Herman. It was a happy landing, I see. Duh. I'd better call Sylvie. She must be frantic. I'm afraid that'll have to wait, Mrs. Lampert. But his mother... She isn't going to be anybody's mother unless you answer some questions. This we ain't no game, Miss Lampert. Be quiet, all of you. <laughs> what? And stop threatening that boy. He doesn't have the money. Mrs. Lampert doesn't either. Then who does? I don't know, Herman. Maybe you do. Me? Or you, Tex. Or you, Gideon. That's you the most local ridiculous... Man. Slowly... Suppose one of you found Charles here in Paris, followed him, cornered him on the train, threw him out of the window, and took the money. That's a crock. If one of us did that, he wouldn't hang around here waiting for the other two to wise up. But he'd have to. If he left, he'd be admitting his guilt, and the others would know what happened. Whoever it is has to wait here, pretending to look for the money, waiting for the rest of us to give up and go home. That's when he'll be safe, and not a minute before. Up till now, we always figured she had the money. But you know so much about it. Maybe you got it. Then what am I doing here? You didn't know anything about me. I'm the only one who could have taken it and kept right on going. He's just trying to throw us off. They've got it, I tell you. Why don't we search their rooms? Hmm? It's all right with us. What are we wasting time for? Let's go. And while we're waiting, we might as well go through yours. Not my room. What's wrong, Herman? Have you got something to hide? Hmm? Then I take it there are no objections. We better exchange keys. Here's mine. I'll take that. Here's mine. Here's my key. Give me yours. All right. Mine's in the door. Arrivederci, y'all. Come on. Let's get busy. Who gets your vote? Scobie. He's the one that objected. He's all yours. I'll do Tex and Gideon, take Jean-Louis with you, and make sure you bolt the door from the inside. Viens, Jean-Louis. We're going to have a treasure hunt. Oh, la. If I find the treasure, will I win a prize? What should we give him? How about $25,000? 
or do you think it would spoil him? Reggie took Jean-Louis by the hand, smiled at me and left. I surveyed Tex's room for a moment before commencing my search. The drawers and the night table were empty, and there was nothing under it. Likewise, the desk and the bureau. This was not looking good. I crossed the room to the armoire and discovered a very similar situation there. But then... Aha! I looked down and saw a pair of cowboy boots. I wonder what Tex and Gideon were finding over in Reggie's room. Tex? Yeah? What's that? Airline bag. Could be something here. Well, dump her out, kid. Let's see. Charlie stuff? Looks like it. Wallet has initials CL and gold leaf. Maybe we'd better call Herman. What for? If it's not here, why bother him? And if it is? Why bother him? <laughs> <laughs> you sure nothing's missing? No, the police have kindly provided us with a list. That's right, kind of them. But there sure ain't nothing here worth no quarter of a million. Not unless we're blind. You think that maybe we're fishing the wrong stream? Meaning what? You don't suppose one of us has it, like the man said? I mean, that'd be pretty distasteful, us being veterans of the same war and all. You know I'd tell you if I had it. Naturally. Just like I'd tell you. Naturally. And that goes for Herman, too. Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Where is our old pal Herman, though? In Dyle's room, I think. That's the kid. He did what? He says they found it. They're in Herman's room. Let's go. We found it. What'd you find, kid? What'd you find? What'd you find? Did you find the money? Reggie, did you find it? No. What do you mean, no? The kid said... Up there. It is up there. On top of the armoire. No, Jean-Louis. It's a big black case. (sighs) What's nothing, I tell you? <laughs> Jumping free holies. It's Herman's spare hand. Where is Mr. Scobie? Hey, that's right. He's in my room. Who'd have done a mean thing like that? I'm not quite sure. This ain't my room. Mine either. The police aren't going to like this one bit. We could haul him out, dry him off, and take him down the hall to his room. He really doesn't look so bad. We could put him to bed and let one of them femme de chambers find him in the morning. Huh? Huh? Poor old Herman. Him and good luck always was strangers. Maybe now he'll meet up with his other hand someplace, but I sure hope it ain't waiting for him in heaven. No, 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 no. But, Inspector... It's true! A man drowned in his bed? Impossible. And in his pajamas. The second one in his pajamas? C'est trop pity. It is too stupid. Stop lying to me. Do you see this nose? This nose tells me when you are lying. It is never mistaken. Not in 23 years. This nose will make me commissaire of police. Mr. Dial or Mr. Joshua, which is it? Dial. And yet you registered in McGave as Mr. Joshua. 
Do you know it is against the law to register under an assumed name? No, I didn't. It's done in America all the time. None of you will be permitted to leave Paris until this matter is cleared up. Only I warn you, I will be watching. We use the guillotine in this country. I have always suspected that the blade coming down causes no more than a slight tickling sensation on the back of the neck. It is only a guess, of course. I hope none of you ever finds out for certain. think did it? Gideon? Maybe. Or Tex? Maybe. You're a big help. Oh, an ice cream vendor. Can I have one of those? Mm. A vanille chocolat? Oui. A très franc, s'il vous plaît. I've got it. Here. Um, uh, voilà. Merci. Voilà. Mm. Merci. I think Tex did it. Why? Well, because I really suspect Gideon, and it's always the person you don't suspect. Do you think it's feminine to be so illogical, or can't they help it? What's so illogical about that? A. It's always the person you don't suspect. B. That means you think it's Tex because you really suspect Gideon. Therefore, C. If you think it's Tex, it has to be someone else. Gideon. Oh. I guess they just can't help it. Who? Women. You know, I can't help feeling rather sorry for Scooby. Wouldn't it be nice if we were like that? What, like Scobie? No. Gene Kelly. Remember the way he danced down there next to the river in American in Paris? Ugh, without a care in the world. Mmm. This is good. Want some? Oh! I'd love some, thanks. I'm sorry. Alex? Hmm? I'm scared. Don't worry, I'm not going to hit you. No. About Scobie, I mean. I can't think of any reason why he was killed. Maybe somebody felt that four shares was too many. What makes you think that this somebody will be satisfied with three? He wants it all, Alex, and that means we're in his way, too. Yes, I know. First your brother, then Charles, now Scobie. Oh, we've got to do something. Any minute now, we could be assassinated. Hurry up and change. Oh, I'm starved. Let me know what you want to eat and I'll uh, pick a suit that matches. Yes? Mrs. Lamford? Bartholomew. I've spoken to Washington, Mrs. Lamford. Oh, go ahead, Mr. Bartholomew. I'm listening. I told them what you said about this man being Carson Dial's brother. I asked them what they knew about it and they told me... You're not going to like this, Mrs. Lampert. They told me Carson Dial has no brother. Are you sure there's no mistake? None whatsoever. Please, Mrs. Lampert, be careful. Reggie? You haven't spoken a word in 20 minutes. I keep thinking about Charles and Scobie. And the one who's going to be next. Me? Nothing's going to happen to you while I'm around. I want you to believe that. How can I believe it when you don't even know who the killer is? 
I've got that right, haven't I? You don't know who did it? No, not yet. But then if we sit back and wait, the field should start narrowing down, shouldn't it? Whoever's left alive at the end will have pretty well sewn up the nomination, wouldn't you say so? Are you trying to say that I might have killed Charles and Scobie? What do I have to do to satisfy you? Become the next victim? It's a start, anyway. I don't understand you at all. One minute you're chasing me around the hotel room, and the next you're accusing me of murder. Carson Dial didn't have a brother. Hmm. I can explain if you'll just listen. Will you listen? Can't very well leave without a pair of water wings. Okay, then. Get set for the story of my life. Not that it would ever make the bestseller list. Fiction or non-fiction? Why don't you shut up? Well... Are you going to listen? Go on. After I graduated college, I was all set to go into my father's business. Umbrella frames. That's what he made. It was a sensible business, I suppose, but I didn't have the sense to be interested in anything sensible. I suppose all this is leaning somewhere? It led me away from umbrella frames, for one thing. But that left me without any honest means of support. What do you mean? When a man has no profession except the one he loathes, what's left? I began looking for people with more money than they'd ever need, including some they'd barely miss. You mean you're a thief? Well, it isn't exactly the term I'd have chosen, but I suppose it captures the spirit of the thing. I don't believe it. Well, I can't really blame you, not now. But I do believe it. That's what I don't believe. So it's goodbye, Alexander Dial. Welcome home, Peter Joshua. Sorry, the name's Adam Canfield. Adam Canfield. Wonderful. Do you realize you've had three names in the past two days? I don't even know who I'm talking to anymore. The man's the same, even if the name isn't. No, he's not the same. Alexander Dial was interested in clearing up his brother's death. Adam Canfield is a crook. And with all the advantages you've got, brains, charm, education, a handsome face... Oh, come on. There has to be a darn good reason for living the way you do. I want to know what it is. It's simple. I like what I do. I enjoy doing it. There aren't many men who love their work as much as I do. Look around sometime. Is there a Mrs. Canfield? Yes, but... We're divorced. divorced. Right. Now go eat your dinner. Why can't eat a horse? I think that's what you ordered. Don't you dare to be civil with me. All this time you were leading me on. How was I leading you on? Oh, that marvelous rejection. You knew I couldn't resist it. Now it turns out you were only interested in the money. That's right. Oh. What would you like me to say? That a pretty girl with an outrageous manner means more to an old pro like me than a quarter of a million dollars. No, I guess not. Well, it's a toss-up, I can tell you that. What? Don't you know I'm having a tough time keeping my eyes off you? Oh. Oh, you should see your face. What about it? It's lovely. What's the matter? <laughs> I'm not hungry. Isn't it glorious? Yeah, what? Huh? You must be crazy. It's 3.30 in the morning. You mean now? All right, I'll be down in a minute.
Three of them. Three men, dead, all in their pajamas. C'est ridicule. What is it, some new American fad? Inspector, how did Mr. Gideon get it? Eh? How he got it, monsieur, was with a knife. Across his throat, from ear to ear. Oh, that poor man. And now your friend, the one from Texas. He has disappeared, checked out, poof, into thin air. Where is he? I don't know. Madame? Mm. Tell me, Mr. Dyer, where were you at 3.30? In my room, asleep. And you, Mrs. Lampere? I was too. In Mr. Dyer's room? No, in my room. Hmm. It stands to reason you are telling the truth. For why would you invent such a ridiculous story? And if I were you, I would not stay in my pajamas. Good night. Hmm. That wraps it up. Tex has the money. Go back to bed. I'll let you know when I've found him. You're going to look for him now? If the police find him first, they're not very likely to turn over a quarter of a million dollars to us, are they? Adam! There's no time. I'll call you in the morning. Yes? Now, Dial, you listen to me. My mama didn't raise no stupid children. I know who's got the money, and I ain't disappearing till I got my share. And my share is growing a whole lot bigger every day. Where are you, old buddy? <laughs> I'll tell you what, fella. You want to find me? You just turn around. From now on, I'll be right behind you. What is it? Open up. I think we were wrong about Tex having the money. Why? I just heard from him. He's still hungry. That means killing Gideon didn't get it for him. So he's narrowed it down to us. You got it. Oh, I've looked, Adam. You know I have. Where's that airline bag? Lord, you're stubborn. I sure am. Get it. Charles must have had the money with him on the train, and Tex missed it. But everyone in his Aunt Lillian's been through that bag. Somebody would have seen it. Let's look anyway. Lord, you're stubborn. I mean, it's there, Reggie. If only we could see it. We're looking at it right now. Something on that bed is worth a quarter of a million dollars. Yes. But what? I don't know. I just don't know. Razor, comb, steamship ticket, fountain pen, four passports, toothbrush, wallet, key. What about that? To the apartment. It, it matches mine perfectly. The letter. Still doesn't make any sense. But it isn't worth a quarter of a million either. Have we forgotten anything? The tooth powder. Oh, wait a minute. Could you recognize heroin just by tasting it? Heroin. Peppermint-flavoured heroin. Oh, well, I guess that's it. Dead end. Go to bed. You've got to be at work in the morning. There's nothing more we can do tonight. I love you, Adam. Yes, you told me. No. Last time I said, I love you, Alex. The next day, Reggie was back at work at the UNESCO building the ultra-modern glass and concrete structure behind the École Militaire. She was in her booth waiting to translate French into English, but the Italian delegate was speaking. 
On the other side of the glass, several other delegates with their aides sat around a large table. All were wearing headphones. Il governoro italiano è decisamente a favorite. Per l'incoraggimento in cordo con de tradizioni etnice, rispettive delle culture basilari di passi in well, I hope Jean Louis understands about last night. It's just not safe for him to be around me right now. Don't be silly. He would not do anything. He is not yet old enough to be interested in girls. He says collecting stamps is much more satisfying to a man of his age. Oh, hold it. Italy just finished. They're recognizing Great Britain. Oh, la vache. I've got to get to work. Mr. Chairman, fellow delegates, my distinguished colleague from Italy, Her Majesty's delegation has listened with great patience to the Southern European position on this problem. And while we find it charmingly stated, we cannot possibly agree with its concepts. Reggie, I think I found... Are you on? No, it's all right. What's wrong, Adam? Nothing's wrong. I think I found something. I was snooping around Tex's room, and I found this in the wastebasket. I stuck it back together. Oh, it's the receipt Inspector Grandpierre gave me for Charles's things. I don't see how that's going to... You didn't look. Last night when we went through the airline's bag, something was missing. See? One agenda. It wasn't there. You're right. I remember Grandpierre looking through it, but there was nothing in it. At least, nothing the police thought was very important. Can you remember anything at all? Grandpierre asked me about an appointment Charles had on the day he was killed. With whom? Where? I think it only said where. Oh, but I can't. Think, Reggie. You've got to think. It may be what we're looking for. That money's not ours, Adam. If we keep it, we'll be breaking the law. Nonsense. We didn't steal it. There's no law against stealing stolen money. Of course there is. There is? Well, I can't say I think very much of a silly law like that. Think, Reggie. Please think. What was written in Charles's notebook? Oh, well, it was a place, a street corner, I think, but I don't... Oh, 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 hold it, hold it, I'm on. Le problème vu par mon gouvernement n'est pas aussi simple que nos amis les Anglais voudraient nous le faire croire. Mais le pays n'est pas, après tout, un pays agricole, n'est-ce pas Mr. Chairman, fellow delegates, my distinguished colleague from Great Britain, as outlined in report number 39-52 of the Western Hemisphere Conference held on March 22... No, wait! It was last Thursday, 5 o'clock at the Jardin de Champs-Élysées. Adam, that was it! The garden! It's Thursday today, and it's almost 5. Come on! Oh, it's all right, gentlemen. Carry on. Five o'clock, Thursday, the garden. It's got to be something around here. But Charles's appointment was last week, not... I know, but this is all we've got left. Well, you're right there. Ten minutes ago, I had a job. Stop grousing. If we find the money, I'll buy you an international conference all your own. Now start looking. You take this side and I'll poke around over there. Hopeless. I don't even know what we're looking for. It's all right. I don't think Tex does either. Tex? You mean he's here too? Look, by the carousel. He's got your husband's agenda. 
Oops, he's off somewhere. I better see what he's up to. Stay here. I won't be long. Be careful, Adam. Please. He's already killed three men. I followed Tex at a safe distance as he wandered through a row of wooden booths. A nice crowd was gathered in this area, so I felt safe. Suddenly I saw Tex stop and turn in a quick circle. An excited look on his face. His eyes grew wide, then gained a knowing look. He ran in my direction and actually bumped into me, but he was in too big a hurry to recognize me. I retraced his steps, trying to see what he saw. Turning in the same circle he turned, and saw... Stamps. Hundreds and hundreds of stamps. I ran out to the street and caught a taxi to my hotel. All right, where's the letter? The letter? The letter ain't worth nothing. You know what I mean. The envelope with the stamps I wanted. Ha ha ha, you greenhorn. You half-witted, fixed-gold, harebrained greenhorn. They was both too smart for us. What are you talking about? First, her husband. Now her. She hoodwinked you. She batted all them big eyes, and you went and fell for it, like a egg from a tall chicken. Here. You want it? Here. It's yours. <laughs> Look at you, horn swoggled by a pretty face and all them sweet words. You killed all three of them for nothing, you greenhorn. You blockheaded jackass. You clod. You booby. You nincompoop. Tex was right. The envelope that held the letter from Charles to Reggie was the money. But when Tex offered it to me, I saw that the stamps had been torn off. Meanwhile, back at the park... Sylvie? What are you doing here? Hello, Reggie. I am waiting for Jean-Louis. What's he up to? He was so excited when he got the stamps you gave him this morning. He said he'd never seen any like them. Well, I'm glad, but what's all this? The stamp market, of course. It's here every Thursday afternoon. This is where Jean-Louis trades his... Oh, good Lord! The stamps! Oh, where is he? Silver, we've got to find him. Those stamps, they're, they're worth a fortune! What? A fortune! Oh, hurry, we've got to find him! Reggie and Sylvie quickly found Jean-Louis. The boy excitedly held aloft a sack full of stamps that a man had traded him for the four he had offered. Reggie begged the boy to tell her which trader had made the deal. Jean-Louis finally remembered it as a man named Monsieur Felix, but his booth was closed. The boy inquired of another dealer where Monsieur Felix resided, and they immediately rushed to the artist quarter in La Place Blanche. Entrez. Monsieur Felix? I was expecting you. I knew you would come. Look at the madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know anything about stamps. I know them as one who knows his own face, even though I have never seen them. This yellow one, a Swedish four shillings. The old stamp trader described each of the stamps that had been on the envelope to the letter Charles Lampard had written to Reggie. First three represented tens of thousands of dollars each. Then he came to the fourth stamp. And the last one? The best for last. Le chef d'oeuvre de la collection. The masterpiece. It is the most valuable stamp in the world. It is called the Gazette Guyane. It was printed by hand on colored paper in 1852. 
and marked with the initials of the printer. Today, it has a value of $100,000. I am not a thief. I knew there was some mistake. Take them. You gave the boy quite a lot of stamps in return, Monsieur Felix. Are they for sale now? Let me see. There are 350 European, 200 Asian, 175 American, 100 African, and 12 Princess Grace commemorative, which comes to 10 francs. And don't forget these. I'm... I'm sorry. No. For a few minutes, they were mine. That is enough. Reggie rushed to the hotel and went straight to my door. But I wasn't there. I was on my way there at the time, actually. She then went to her door and found it an inch or two ajar. She entered and froze at the sight of something on the floor. A moment or two later, she went to the telephone. Oh, Mr. Bartholomew, thank God you're there. Tex is dead, Mr. Bartholomew, smothered by a plastic bag. And Adam did it. He killed them all. Just a minute, Mrs. Lambert. You'd better give that to me slowly. Tex wrote the word dial on the carpet before he died. Adam's the murderer. Calm down, Mrs. Lambert. Please, does he have the money? No. No, it was the stamps on that letter Charles had with him on the train. Oh, they were in plain sight all the time, but no one ever bothered looking at the envelope. Mrs. Lambert, listen to me. You're not safe as long as you've got these stamps. Do you know the center garden at the Palais Royal? As soon as you can get there. Hurry, Mrs. Lambert. Yes. Yes, I'm leaving now. Goodbye. I was just arriving at the hotel as she was leaving her room. Taking the elevator up, I saw her from the cage as she came down the stairs. Reggie, the stamps, where are they? Where are you going? Wait. Why, so you can kill me too? Tex is dead. He wrote dial on the carpet. I'm not dial, you know that. Oh, but Tex didn't know it. You're a murderer. Reggie, I want those stamps. I finally reached the ground floor on that ancient elevator and followed Reggie out onto the street, just in time to see her round the corner. She led me on a merry chase, believe you me, through the metro stations from train to train and finally at the Palais Royal station. I thought I'd lost her for good, but as I was stumbling about, she was crouched down inside a phone booth. American Embassy? Mr. Bartholomew's office, please. Mr. Bartholomew's office. Could you speak up, please? I can't quite hear you. No, I can't speak any louder. Hamilton Bartholomew. I'm sorry, but Mr. Bartholomew has left for the day. But someone's trying to kill me. You've got to send word to him. In the center garden of the Palais Royal by the colonnade. Tell him I'm trapped in a phone booth below him in the metro station. And my name's Lambert. All right, Mrs. Lambert. I'll see what I can do. Goodbye. Hello, Mr. Bartholomew. There was a call for you just now, Mr. Bartholomew. It sounded quite urgent. Uh, Mrs. Lampert? Lampert? I don't know any Mrs. Lampert. Trapped in a metro station? Who does she think I am, the CIA? Uh, all right, all right. You'd better call the French police. Where is he? Ah, going upstairs. Oh, this could be my chance. 
Reggie? Oh. Reggie, wait. Reggie, why won't you listen? Oh, I'm through listening to you. But I didn't kill anybody. Well, then who did? You're the only one left. Reggie, please believe me. No! As Reggie gained the top of the long stairway leading to street level, I made a desperate lunge for her. All I accomplished with that maneuver was to slide my hand down her calf as I fell forward. As I reached the top, I saw Reggie run across the street, unmindful of traffic, heading towards the Palais Royale. I was gaining on her. On the other side of the court, a man stepped out from the shadows. Reggie spotted him and started waving to get his attention. Oh, Mr. Bartholomew, he's chasing me! Reggie, stop! That's not Bartholomew, it's Carson Dial. What? Carson? After hearing what I'd shouted, the fake Bartholomew quickly ducked behind a stone pillar. But not before I glimpsed a revolver in his right hand. Reggie, exactly between us, looked from the other man to me. And I had a gun in my hand, too. We all know Carson Dial is dead, Mrs. Lampert. It's Carson Dial, I tell you. You're not going to believe him, Mrs. Lampert. It's too fantastic. He's trying to trick you again. Heck, recognized him. That's why he wrote Dial. You give him those stamps, he'll kill you too. Mrs. Lampert, if I'm who he said, what's preventing me from killing you right now? Because he'd have to come out to get the stamps. He knows he'd never make it. What's the matter with you, Mrs. Lampert? Are you going to believe every lie he tells you? He wants the money for himself. That's all he's ever wanted. Adam, Mr. Bartholomew's with the CIA. I've seen him at the embassy. Don't be a fool. He's Carson Dial. That's right, Mrs. Lampert. That's right. I'm a dead man. Look at me. I don't know who anybody is anymore. Reggie, listen to me. No, you've lied to me so many times. Reggie, trust me once more, please. Can I really believe you this time, Adam? There's not a reason on earth why you should. All right. Adam. Stop right now, Mrs. Lampert, or I'll kill you. It won't get you the stamps, Dial. You'll have to come out to get them, and I'm not likely to miss at this range. Maybe not, but it takes a lot of bullets to kill me. They left me there with five of them in my legs and my stomach. They knew I was still alive, but they left me. I spent ten months in a German prison camp with nothing to stop the pain. They left me there, Mrs. Lampert. They deserve to die! But I didn't have anything to do with... You've got the money? It belongs to me now! Please believe me, Mrs. Lampert. I'll kill you. A little more blood won't matter. While Reggie and Carson Dial were engaged in this enlightening conversation, I was moving through the shadows, trying to find a way to sneak up on the man. Oh, Adam, please! Damn you! Stop, Mrs. Lampert! Luckily, either Dial wasn't really aiming at Reggie, or she was too far away by the time he fired, but he missed. And she jerked open the first door she saw, and ran inside. Dial wasn't too far behind, and ran in through the same door. I got to the door myself a few seconds later, but Dial must have locked it from the inside, so I had to find another way in. I backed away from the door and saw that it was the stage door of the Comédie Française. Then, a few yards away, I spied a short stairway leading down to a door below the street level. I found myself in a gigantic room below the stage. 
far above me, I could hear Dial's heavy footfalls on the stage, planking as he searched for Reggie. I couldn't stay down here, but I wasn't sure how to get up. And then I saw a spiral staircase on the far wall. Reaching the top, however, I found it locked. All right, Mrs. Lampert, I see you. The game's over. Come out of there. Well, he's found her. The game's up now, unless... I don't want to kill you, Mrs. Lampert, but I will. I could hear Dial's footsteps again, probably advancing on Reggie in her hidey hole, wherever that was. And I instinctively looked up, and I saw, painted on the ceiling, a grid of 36 squares, numbered and lettered, from 1A to 6F. They had to be trapdoors. How were they controlled? I quickly scanned the walls and saw a grid of levers in a panel numbered exactly the same as the ceiling. Did you hear me, Mrs. Lambert? I strained my ears for Dial's footsteps, trying to place him in the proper square on the floor above. I won't wait much longer, Mrs. Lambert. There. Was it 4C? I reached for the lever. Ah, damn him. Which one is it? I know you're in there, Mrs. Lambert. I knuckled sweat out of my eyes and slowly reached for the lever 4D. waited a few minutes more to show up? Mr. Dial, you are under arrest for the murders of Charles Lampere, Herman Scobie, Joseph, a.k.a. Tex Pentolo, Leopold Gideon, and whoever that is down there. <laughs> Reggie, you'd better tell him. He wouldn't dare hit a girl. Did you get a good night's sleep? I couldn't sleep a wink. I kept seeing all of those dead men in my dreams. <sighs> I'm sorry I thought you were the murderer, Adam. How did I know that he was as big a liar as you are? And that's all the gratitude I get for saving your hide. The truth now. Was it my hide or the stamps? What a terrible thing to say. How could you even think that? All right. Prove it to me. Tell me to go to the embassy right now and turn in those stamps. I said, tell me to go to the embassy. I heard you, I heard you. Then say it. Reggie, listen to me. Never mind. I'll go by myself. Too late. We're already here. What makes you think they're even interested? It's only a quarter of a million. It'll cost more than that to fix up their bookkeeping. As a taxpayer... Who's a tax? Crooks don't pay taxes. Excuse me, soldier. Marine, ma'am. Forgive me. Marine. Whom would I see regarding the return of stolen government money? You might try the Treasury Department, ma'am. Room 216, second floor, Mr. Crookshank. Crookshank, 216. Thank you, Marine. D. 
Do you mind if I wait out here? The sight of all that money being given away might make me break out. Mr. Crookshank, please. My name is Lampert. A Mr. Crookshank, a Miss... Mrs. A Mrs. Lampert to see you. Yes, sir. Go right in. Well, of all the mean, rotten, contemptible, crooked... Crooked? I should think you'd be glad to find out I wasn't crooked. You couldn't even be honest about being dishonest. Why didn't you say something? We're not allowed to tell. May I have the stamps, please? Here. Wait a minute. How did Carson Dial get an office in here, anyway? When did you see him? What time, I mean? Around one. Ah, the lunch hour. He probably worked it out in advance. Found an office that was usually left open and just moved in for the time you were here. Then how do I know this is your office? Mrs. Foster? Send a memo to Bartholomew at security, recommending that... Bartholomew? Recommending that all embassy offices be locked during the lunch hour. Starting with his own. Okay, now. Hand over those stamps. What's your first name today? Brian. Brian Crookshank. It'd serve me right if I got stuck with that one. Who asked you to get stuck with any of them? Is there a Mrs. Crookshank? Yes. But you're divorced? No. Oh. My mother. She lives in Detroit. Here's her picture. Come on now. Give me those stamps. Only if you can prove to me that you're really Brian Crookshank. How about if next week sometime I put it on a marriage license? That ought to... Quit stalling. I want to see some identification now. I wouldn't lie on a thing like that. I could go to jail. You'd lie about anything. Well, maybe we'd better forget about it then. You can't prove it, can you? You're still trying to... Oh... Marriage license? Did you say... I didn't say anything. Will you give me those stamps? Oh, you did too say it. I heard you. Oh, oh, I love you, Adam. I mean, Alex, Peter, Brian. Oh, I hope we have lots of boys. We can name them all after you. Before we start on that, do you mind handing over the stamps? That was Pete Lutz's production of Charade, adapted from the 1963 motion picture, derived from the public domain. And once again, here's the host of the Mutual Stage, Mr. Jack Ward. Our thanks to all the players, producers, and Pete Lutz for bringing us this inaugural performance of the Mutual Stage. Good night and good listening. Our cast was made up of the following players. Greg McAfee as Inspector Grandpierre, the real Mr. Bartholomew and the Marine. Ian Fettergreen as the fake Bartholomew. Kareem C. Cronfley as Peter Joshua et al. Rhiannon McAfee as Reggie. Gwendolyn Lim as Jean-Louis. Lisa Michaud as Sylvie. Dana Gonzalez as Gideon and the British delegate. Pete Lutz as Tex, the gendarme, the embassy telephone operator, and Monsieur Felix. Chuck Wilson as Scobie. Tanya Milojevic as the Italian delegate. Carol Cron as the French delegate and Jerry Aleph as the funeral attendant, the waiter, the vendor, and Crookshank's secretary. 
Music for this production was composed and performed by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. This entire production was supervised by Pete Lutz. This is Darren Rockhold speaking. The Mutual Stage is a presentation of the Mutual Audio Network in cooperation with 63 Audio. This production was mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon on The Mutual Stage. drama and fiction podcasts sign up for the fiction podcast weekly it's an email newsletter with the latest news events creative opportunities job listings behind the scenes production resources podcast milestones debuts and finales plus it's free sign up now at the podcasthost.com slash fiction podcast weekly Addison is on the air do you love old time radio yeah! You know absolutely nothing about old-time radio. Also, yes. Then Madison on the Air is for you. Follow Madison, a modern-day makeup influencer, as she zapped back into the golden age of radio. Every episode is standalone with a wide variety of genres to choose from, like detective noir. You put the dick in private dick. Superheroes. So I am in the body of the Green Hornet. Westerns. Saloon fight. Now this is a Western. Sci-fi. Dude, the Martian's got a freaking heat ray. Plus classic characters. Toto. Oh, I gotta get that dog into an obedience class. Really digging Dracula's OG goth style. <gasps> what if I killed freaking Sherlock Holmes? And many more. Actual old-time radio scripts adapted. It's like if the MST3K riff tracks guys were in the movies they riff. Start at the beginning or jump around to any title that grabs you. New episodes premiere the first of every month. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.